Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Very good. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me, this wonderful uh, audience, and uh, for choosing to hear our story. We are Jews in the middle of nowhere. We live in a place where it is very difficult to access Jewish rituals, ritual objects. For instance, this Sukkot, we did not have an opportunity to access Baminim, the etrog and the Rulav and everything. Celebrated without those symbols, wasn't uh, it was a very beautiful celebration, but without those symbols, we feel like something was missing. But nevertheless, we are celebrating Scott and the Moadimless Mukha to everybody. Those of you who have not known our story, I belong to a community of native Ugandans who chose Judaism in 1919 when the founding father. Semeika Kunguru, that was his name, read from the Bible. And instead of converting to Christianity like he was requested by the missionaries, he decided to circumcise himself and his children. And by the end of 1919, many people had joined his new proclaimed the religion, Judaism, and the word Abayudaya actually means the people of Judah or Jews. It doesn't refer specifically to Abayudaya, to, to my community, but it refers to anyone, to any Jew in Israel, in the U.S., in Australia, and everywhere. We are all Abayudaya, the people of Judah. We have faced anti-Semitism, discrimination, and hatred from those who don't like Jews. We have suffered under the hands of Jewish haters. I, for myself, has tested the wrath of people who hate Jews, the anti-Semites. And the story of Scott is the story of such hatred. In 1976, during the reign of Yidi Amin, Judaism was outlawed, Jewish practice was illegal, wearing a kippah or even stepping near the synagogue was punishable by death. So it was very scary even calling yourself Jewish during that time. I remember there is a, a, a journalist who was killed in Pakistan. He said, who was beheaded in Pakistan. I remembered that it was punishable to even say, I am Jew, I am Abayudaya in Uganda during the time of Yidi Amin. Nevertheless, my father, during Sukkot of 1976, Birute Sukkah, 
he was motivated by the victory of the Israeli commandos at in July of 1976 during the rescue mission in which Yoni Netanyahu died at Entebbe. would celebrate by building a sukkah during Scott. My father was arrested for building a sukkah and was being led away. He would be murdered, he would be killed. Had we not accepted to give a bribe of five goats to the arresting officer, my father was released then and we got very scared. Many people converted away from Judaism because of that, and uh, our community shrank to almost less than 300 people from over 1,500 people before Idi Amin. By the end of Idi Amin, we had less than 300 people who were functional Jews. The rest had converted to Islam, to Christianity, for fear of their lives. But even then, even after the fall of Idi Amin, hatred continued. During Sukkot of 1982, somebody pulled, uh, we, you know, we, we used to sleep in the sukkah. Let me give you a short background. That our Sukkot, uh, the translation in, in, in Uganda of Yeshevu uh, Sukkah, that the children of Israel shall uh, dwell in the sukkah. The translation in Uganda for Yeshevu Sukkah was to sleep instead. So now, in order to fulfill the obligation of Sukkot, one had to sleep in the sukkah, which made it very, very dangerous. You know, exposing yourself to danger because you are observing the Torah of, of sukkah. So in the Sukkot of 1982, somebody grabbed and pulled my uncle by the leg at night. In the middle of the night, somebody came and, you know, pulled the leg. When my uncle made noise, it became very, very difficult for all of us to sleep outside. We had to rush inside the the the. the, the the, the houses. You know, besides rains, sometimes during Sukkot, we have lots of rains. So we would run into the house, but this time we ran into the house because somebody attempted to harm my uncle Shmuel. May his soul rest in peace. I, for myself, in 1990, we had a youth movement that we call the kibbutz. And this, this youth movement was intended to strengthen our community by giving, by empowering our youth. So we, we, we decided to, to make a kibbutz at Nabugoya, which is our main center. And the kibbutz was a, 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 a place where we would go and dig, grow our own crops, feed ourselves as youth, but stay together as Jewish youth so that we can learn Torah, we can learn Hebrew, so that we can build, uh, combine the strength for the future of our community. So in, 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 the, in the year 1990, 
we were struggling to recover the, the land on which our main synagogue is constructed now. It had been taken during Idi Amin by the Christian church. But since freedom of worship was restored after the fall of Idi Amin, we demanded our right to the land on the synagogue. So we had people who fought us and who did not even want the kibbutz, the youth movement to, to, to thrive. So one time during Sukkot, we were sleeping in the sukkah, but we had built it at the backyard. So they came through the front door and they were armed with guns at night, past midnight. They began knocking on the doors and I sensed trouble because my name was mentioned. I was the youth leader. Why is the stubborn small man and they were beating and kicking other youth. We were about to 25 youth sleeping in the sukkah. So I had to crawl. We had two sections of the sukkah, the women's section, the girls' section, and the, the, the boys' section. And I, I, I still looked very young then. So I went and crawled and hid amongst the girls. So while they were beating the boys, looking for the leader who was me, I was hidden among the girls and they could not find me. But then they took three members of our community, of the youth, who refused to reveal me. They beat them up, arrested them, and jailed them. So all this was to discourage us and to make it unbearable for anyone to claim or to continue to claim that they are Jews or observant Jews. So that is what we have gone through during Scott. And it has not been very nice in the past. That experience did not discourage us. The experience only encouraged us. We gained more strength. The more we got hated, the more people spoke up against Jews and Judaism, the more strength, the more strength we, 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 we got. And it's because of that that we still maintain a Jewish community in a place where Judaism is not liked. In the past, we have done whatever is in our power to ensure that we mend the relationship, that we show that we are going nowhere, but we also want peace. So in the past, we have had a farmer's co-op called Peace Kaomera. Unfortunately, it has not survived the economic challenges but we had a coffee co-op where we grow coffee together and sell the coffee together as Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And when the coffee market was available in the U.S., the proceeds from the coffee sale came to help the Jews, Christians, and Muslims together. So that helped to improve our relationship. In the past, we also have constructed Jewish schools, two Jewish schools, a primary or elementary school and a secondary school. We have the Hadassah Primary School and the Semeika Kungur High School. And on our part, we have allowed Jews, Christians, and Muslims to come and study at our schools. And we have allowed Christian, Muslim, Jewish teachers to come and teach in our schools so that we can build together 
despite our religious differences. That also has improved our relationship. We have shared every progress, every good things we have received from our good friends in the US and Israel with our people. For instance, we, we got 10,000 mosquito nets in the early 2006, uh, seven, and we shared those mosquito nets with our non-Jewish neighbors. You know, mosquitoes don't discriminate, we said. Mosquitoes don't discriminate when they bite people and they infect them with malaria. So when we got mosquito nets, we gave them to Jews, Muslims, Christians, all together. And a gesture of sharing, a gesture of giving, a tikkun olam has been welcomed by our non-Jewish neighbors. And in the introduction, you said that I was the first Jewish ever on the continent of Africa to be elected to parliament. It's because instead of returning hatred to the haters, we return the love and we return the cooperation, we return the sharing and the giving. And so when I stood up, when I stood for the office, I don't have a majority, we have a minority, we don't even uh, constitute a percentage in Uganda. We don't, if there's a percentage, it is 0.0, .0 maybe 0, 0.00 something. Our population, we are less than 3,000 people in a country of 44 million. And, uh, but I was able to get majority votes amongst Christians and Muslims to enable me go to parliament, representing over 200,000 people in my constituency. And of the 200,000 people, our voters are less than even 1,000. The people who voted at Tikkun Olam and Torah teaches us that on all our occasions, including Sukkot, but the, the Torah says you shall be happy and always be happy in your festival. But they also they say the widow, you know, the 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 the, the, the orphan, they are tom, don't leave out the girl, the stranger, and these are our strangers. Celebrate with them, all of them, all these categories. So we invite on all our uh, occasions, Pesach, Scott, whenever we have a celebration and we have cooked food to eat, we invite the Muslims, Christians, come, let's eat. And uh, in being open and returning love has actually created acceptance for us uh, despite all those past challenges. And as I speak now, we are, people have begun to consider us as not different from them and as not isolated and they have not isolated us. We, we have taught them that we are all humans created in the image of God despite our religious differences. And we continue to do that on all our festivals during Scott, we invite them into our sukkah, we eat with them, we celebrate, and uh, that is uh, really very, very helpful. So I wanted to 
to stop there for a moment and uh, answer some questions if people have questions I'm, i don't have a clock so i don't know how much time we are left with maybe alex you can uh, guide us in time and uh, i can open myself up for questions i apologize that the internet wasn't working but uh, i figured out uh, there was no credit i had forgotten that the credit so i had to buy credit we use phone data and with the time as people use it it gets depleted so i had to buy credit and then so now i have credit on my on my internet and i'm using my phone i'm not in front of my computer i'm using my phone data thank you thank you so much for the audience and for uh, accepting to listen to our story a little sad that our story has been sad but now improving thank you so much i am open to questions alix back to you yes thank you so much um yes it's so interesting to hear your story and want to thank you for sharing it with us and uh, so glad that we could get all the technical difficulties worked out and that you were able to join and we do have um a lot of time left for questions so um please people anyone who would like to um make a comment or ask a question, feel free to raise your hands. You can also use the chat. Um, and I see that one question came in already, so I'll read that out loud to the group. Was there any reason for the anti-Semitism in the earlier years? Yes, the main reason for the anti-Semitism was that Judaism was a challenge to Christianity. Christianity was a, the, the, new, the new child on the block. It had come with missionaries and they were very determined. The Church Missionary Society of England, the White Fathers, Catholics, all these were all competing for converts. And Judaism was the, the, the alternative, which was a challenge. People were preaching Jesus as a savior and Judaism was saying, no, we don't believe in Jesus. And that, was, that posed a big challenge. So they began to call us Christ killers. Way back in 1919, I wasn't there, but my father and grand, uh, my grandfather tells me that uh, uh, the, the, even the word Abayudaya means Christ killer. It is not a, a nice word. Abayudaya is a Christ killer. So even if you even to, to the present day, if you pre, you introduce yourself as a member of Abayudaya, you will see the audience laughing. They think you are making a joke when you are actually introducing yourself. So even the name Abayuda is not a, 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 a pleasant one, but that is who we are. We are Jews. Thank you. What is the current feeling regarding the status of and current events in Israel, in Uganda? The, uh, can, can you repeat that again? The, the status of what? Sure. Um, what is the feeling regarding the status of um, Israel and current events in Israel that you see in Uganda with your community? Yeah, that's a very good question. We, It is very unfortunate that Israel does not, uh, the authorities in Israel, the Orthodox authorities in Israel don't have not accepted us as Jews. And some even go to the extent of, of claiming that we are Jews because we want to move to Israel, forgetting 
that when our community started in 1919, there was no Israel to move to. So the motivation for uh, uh, for the beginning of our community was not Israel. And we have, we, we have been around for more than 100 years. We would, if the motivation was to go to Israel, we would have already given up a hundred years. You know, my grandfather passed away. My mother is, you know, we, I am third generation, but we have even the sixth generation. I have a grandchild. So the, the, we are still around even when we have not been to Israel. Uh, I think that uh, claim and explanation of our conversion by uh, the authorities in Israel is very unfortunate. Uh, another question in the chat was, how many people are there in your congregation? Uh, we have 10 villages total. Our people live in 10 various villages scattered around the country. And because of distance and difficulty moving, we have decided to have a small synagogue in every uh, village. So most of our 10 villages have a small Beit Knesset where they meet. We only come together on a few occasions, on weddings, on funerals, on high holidays, and also Hagim, on Pesach, Shavuot, and Scott. So those are the only occasions we come together. On Shabbat, everybody stays in back in their village. And we 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 think we are approximately 2,000 people. So we have grown from less than 300 in 1979 to almost 2,000 people in 2023. So uh, it has been a significant growth and our community is mostly young. The children are many and uh, youth and younger people are many. So the only challenge is to keep teaching them and motivating them to remain Jewish. We have a challenge of intermarriage. We would be even more, but uh, because we are a small community, it has become increasingly difficult for our young women to find suitable partners for marriage. And, uh, you know, nature pushes them. And we have had many who have uh, married non-Jewish husbands, which is very, very unfortunate because once you marry into a majority culture, if you are not strong enough, we lose you. So we have lost so many people, uh, younger women and their children away from the community. Others have resiliently held on to our tradition. And so they have resisted converting away and they, they still bring their children to the synagogue. But we would be more if, we, if the issue of intermarriage wasn't in the picture. Thank you. Um, another question that came in in the chat was, do you get converts who convert into uh, Judaism? Yes. Actually, we have had three new communities of the 10 villages. Three of those villages are new converts. So we have a distant village, which is 250 kilometers from where I am now. And they were formerly messianics. They thought they were Jewish. So they combined uh, Jewish practice with belief in Jesus. 
and they thought they were Jewish. So I think they reached out to somebody either on the internet and they wanted to learn more. They, 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 they were told to come to us. And when they came to Navgoyed, we told them, you know, to be Jewish. You cannot believe in Jesus. They abandoned Jesus and we converted them to, to Judaism. So they are all village. And uh, I trained their religious leader in my yeshiva so that he can lead them on Shabbat and on daily basis and uh, to guide them on Halakot. There is another community in about 35 kilometers from where I am. Same, there were Seventh-day Adventists. They observed Shabbat. They didn't observe circumcision, but they also believed in Jesus. Uh, they came, they learned, and they, they converted to Judaism. There is another community in Kenya of Messianics who broke away from the Messianic church and uh, began a small synagogue for themselves. I brought their children over here to learn in our schools. And one of them, actually, when they grew up with my daughter, fell in love with my daughter, Daphna, married my daughter after we converted the community to Judaism, and is now at the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies, studying to be a rabbi. My daughter is in Los Angeles. My granddaughter, Shira, is there in Los Angeles. They are studying now in the second year, uh, supporting him so that when he comes back to Africa, he can help lead uh, some of our scattered villages. So it is a, a privilege that we have people converting to Judaism with the uh, the seriousness that it deserves. Thank you. Um, a couple more questions in the chat. I'll, I'll start with the first one that came in. Uh, were there rabbis in your community before you? Uh, and then this person wrote that we have, they have invited uh, rabbinical student Samson uh, Nideritu, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, to their congregation or Zion to speak next month. And uh, they said that it's nice to know there will be others to carry on. Uh, so I guess the question was, were there rabbis in your community before you? Very good. I'm happy uh, you invited Samson. Samson is the one I'm talking about, my son-in-law. <laughs> and uh, very good. He can continue to, uh, the, the tradition. Uh, my, my, my grandfather took over from the founding father. So the founding father, Semeika Kungu, was the first rabbi. Self-styled, he learned the Torah and taught people that Judaism requires kashrut, requires Shabbat, Kagim, like directly from the Torah. Very close to the Kerites in Israel because they even did some sacrifices on Pesach. They had no rabbinic tradition. So for Pesach, there was no seder. It was Kurban Pesach, so they did Kurban Pesach, and the one who led that was the, the founding father. He was the first rabbi. My grandfather became the second rabbi of the community, and my father became the third rabbi. I became the fourth rabbi. And Samson, who converted from Messianism, will be the fifth rabbi. So that's how we have been. There's a, a, a tradition of rabbis in our community. I was the first one to be ordained at a, a yeshiva with the full study uh, at, in Los Angeles and Yerushalayim. 
uh, Samson will be the second. But before us, we had our traditional biblical rabbis. Thank you. Uh, the next question was, what is the status of your community receiving recognition for making Aliyah in Israel? Uh, very good. That's what I spoke about earlier, that uh, unfortunately the authorities in Israel who are ultra-Orthodox, they think that we only claim to be Jews because we want to enjoy the amenities of, of being in Israel. So that's the mistake they make. First, two, uh, they think that anybody who is not ultra-Orthodox may not be a good Jew, is not a, a Jew at all, maybe. So that, that's uh, uh, very unfortunate, but uh, in the past, we got we received the letter from the Sohnut, the Jewish agency, and the, the, the Jewish agency was recognizing us as a Kahiram Kere, a recognized Jewish community, especially after I was ordained and came back to lead my community. The Jewish agency had no choice but to say we are a Kahiram Kere, a recognized Jewish community. But that recognition is not valid until the Ministry of Internal Affairs, Mr. Adapnim in Israel, agrees to that recognition. So we have a recognition by the Sohnut that is not supported by the Interior Ministry. So that is where we are now. We need your support, we need your voices. Add your voices in, in, in pushing Israel to know that we Jews are not only ultra-Orthodox, we have reformed Jews. Are you going to write them off? And uh, we are we belong to the conservative movement. We also have an Orthodox Abayudaya community in Iputi who have been converted, reconverted to, you know, they were conservative, then, then they were reconverted by Rabbi Riskin Shlomo from Efrat, Israel. But they still have faced the same fate. We are in the same fate, not recognized. So um, I think we need uh, many Jewish voices to speak for us so that we are recognized for Aliyah. Thank you so much. Um, is there any, how can people get involved if they would like to uh, help speak up? And then, and then, sorry, Rabbi Tracy, we'll go to you after. Yeah, I think... Uh, we need groups, the various groups of people. If this group I'm speaking to can have a leadership, we can draft a letter, all of us sign, and send it to the Ministry of Internal Affairs or to the Prime Minister. Uh, it can go into the news. We have uh, people in the Israeli media who know about us and who are willing to, you know, to amplify that voice. So we can write it in the Jerusalem Post, we can send articles there and publish our voices support in support of Rabbi Yudaya. Great, thank you. Uh, hi, Rabbi Tracy Rosen. First of all, Rabbi Gershom, it's so wonderful to see you. Uh, we met back in, I think, 2001 before you, in, in Los Angeles when you and JJ were um, touring the country. Uh, and I'm very proud of all that you've accomplished. It's really wonderful. Um, second is, I want to follow up. I was the one who asked the question about status in Israel, and I just, I misheard your first answer. So, uh, that's why I guess I re-asked it. Um, it, it, you know, as you well know, uh, reform and conservative, um, affiliated, uh, 
converts coming from the United States uh, are accepted by the Misrat Hapnim, even if the chief rabbinate doesn't recognize their status as Jewish for, for ritual activities, life cycle activities, they're still accepted for citizenship. So I'm curious that maybe we'll all promise not to publish your answer, but it seems to me uh, that your location in Africa and the color of your skin have a lot to do with the decision of Misrat Afnim to not accept the conservative Jews who are legitimately and, and, and wonderful uh, role models and examples of what it means to live a committed uh, Jewish life, um, that, that there's something else going on besides just the fact that you, you are, have uh, chosen to be Jewish uh, under, the, uh, under the halakha of the conservative movement. Can you comment on that? Thank you, Rabbi. I think uh, we also have that feeling that if we are all converts and, and converts from Europe and, and, and the United States are allowed to become citizens and then you, you don't allow converts from Africa, that is the real discrimination. And I think uh, just says we should not tolerate that and we should do actually uh, demonstrate against that uh, uh, behavior, especially yes. coming from the leaders of our people. Exactly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, another question that came in in the chat. Does the Abayudaya community have an active shlichut to other emerging Jewish communities throughout Africa? Yes, I was the first rabbi to become ordained on sub-Saharan Africa. And I am the rabbi of sub-Saharan Africa. So last year, I, I had the opportunity to uh, to lead the Bet Din to Nigeria, Abuja. We converted 95 people to Judaism. And how did it come? Two younger people from Nigeria came to study with me in my yeshiva in Uganda. They were visiting rabbis who came. They came to my Beit Din. We converted them to Judaism. They went back knowledgeable in Hebrew. They knew Hebrew prayers. They learned on their own. And uh, they created a very wonderful community, which is actually very thriving. One of the younger people was accepted at a camp in the U.S. So he went to, to, to volunteer at a camp. And while at the camp, he fell in love with the rabbi's daughter, Rabbi Moshe in Philadelphia. So they, they, they have actually got married. And the, the Brit, I think they, have, they had a Brit today of their son in Philadelphia. And so Shlomo, who came to my yeshiva, got married to a rabbi's daughter in, in the U.S. He's now moved to the U.S., but the community back in Abuja is thriving. They want to start the more. If I had the resources to 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 to, to add into my yeshiva and even more teachers, I think that would be the best answer for African Judaism. We would bring people over here. They would learn. They would go back and become leaders and continue to lead their own communities wherever they are. And Abuja is a typical example.
of what I did. Great, thank you. And and thank you, uh, Gordon, for sharing in the chat about Ahva, um, an advocacy group uh, on behalf of the, of the Abba Yudaya, uh that advocates in Israel. So thank you for sharing that as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Rabbi Gershom, for being with us today. It was uh, really, really interesting to learn more about your community. And we want to thank you for sharing with us. Um, before we wrap up, I would just like to let everyone know about our next program, which will be on October 12th. Um, we'll be hearing from Rabbi Dr. Alan Brill about Judaism and religious diversity, global meetings with Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. And that will be at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So we hope you can all join into that as well. Uh, wishing everyone a Chag Sameach. And thank you so much for uh, to all of you for joining us today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Beit Midrash podcast. Remember, that you can join our email list at valleybaitmadrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybaitmadrash.org donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.